politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, scorned terrorists and seditious bastards to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house. And yes, I'm sorry to tell you that does fit the description of you guys and me as well. Week one, under siege, America under siege. Well, actually, no, America has been under siege for decades from this seditious political elite. Indeed, this is week one of us as individuals under siege. There will be many more weeks to come. We are headed from, for some really very dark times. But will there be light? At the end of these dark times. Could we develop some sort of hope today? Obviously, as always, you first have to fully analyze, acknowledge, and define the scope of how bad things are. And precisely how and why they're that way before we could formulate a solution. I will tell you, this has been a seminal week in my life. And it's not even because of what happened at the Capitol on Wednesday. For many of you, it probably wasn't a seminal week because you realized this beforehand. It's nothing I didn't realize. I just didn't internalize it or eternalize both, really. It didn't hit me like a ton of bricks until this week. The degree of grave danger that people like myself are in, and really all of us. How really we do not have First Amendment rights anymore. And how dark this is going to get. It, it, you know, again, I, I knew even the even after the COVID fascism, which should have been a wake-up call. I mean, that's as bad as it gets, right? But the biggest thing we need to realize is that COVID isn't the only emergency. And it's not the only way that you are a threat to humanity. There are many, many other ways, many other pretexts that can and will be used as we are seeing this week to identify you as a terrorist and you don't have a right to live. Your existence and certainly your political beliefs are criminal themselves and are in need of arresting let me start off with the following question. What is the difference between an authoritarian government, autocratic government, let's say, versus a sadistic, demonic, and evil government? And when I say government, I'm including, you know what I mean. I mean, it's the entire political class, the apparatus that has been created in Western democracies of a governing elite, the business class. The media is obviously the tip of the spear, academia, every institution. And then all the ones mid-level and, and on there down that feel they have to go along with it to survive and then create a self-fulfilling prophecy that nobody else could ever hold a different view. What is the difference? So in order to answer that question, 
I want to directly address another point that is related. There's been a lot of questions about, well, you know, Daniel, you're you're a principled, consistent conservative. You don't define yourself by any person or any individual. You know, I myself have been critical of Trump when I felt he's betrayed us and been inconsistent and unhelpful. Um, I was fighting for these values long before Trump ever existed. I don't change or bend in the wind. So, well, Daniel, I mean, isn't this stuff about saying, well, BLM and Antifa did this forever? Isn't that a form of whataboutism? You know, that our actions should always uh, be on the up and up. They should be affirmatively good on their own grounds without any relative comparison to what anyone did, anyone else has done. And on the surface, it's a good question. Here is why it is of vital importance to point out all of the things that have been going on in the lead up to this that have been a million times greater in scope and more ubiquitous the burning of hundreds of cities with millions of people involved in that, the burning down of police stations, the beating and killing and maiming of cops all over the place. And it was not only not condemned, it was blessed and codified as the high... BLM has become the Constitution. You have to swear allegiance to it. If you're in the business world, if you're anywhere compared to their reaction now. The reason the, the reason why that's important is going to distinguish what we're up against and why so we know what to do to fight back. There's no need to say that we're always consistent. I said yesterday that the casualties were only on the Trump supporter side. Turns out today, indeed, there was one gravely injured, and he did die, a, a Capitol Hill cop. Now, from our vantage point, there's nothing complicated. I am that I have always been a Reagan, a Reaganite on crime. I don't care what your views are. I don't care if you were a listener to my show and were a fan or whatever. If you go out and and again, you know, it's hard to trust believe anything we we hear and you have to get the facts but assuming it was a trump supporter that directly and is identified who bashed a cop over the head with a fire extinguisher and killed him you know my view you know if it was the type of thing that you could view as the guy trying to kill him i think he should get the death penalty and if not and it just kind of meant to maim him, but got out of hand and he didn't realize he'd die. You know, the way the things that would come out in a trial, I think he should get life in prison. Mind you, those are not the standards. You know, in a typical situation, especially with civilians, the guy would get no more than 10 years often. And if it's a, a juvenile, as we saw in the case in Frederick, Maryland, we talked about a lot, he would get nothing. But that is my view. And I think that, and, and certainly that needs to be applied always, whether it's political violence, whether it's a guy trying to get money, whether it's a guy trying to just do a knockout. That is my view. That is not the view of this 
wretched criminal justice system, but that is my view. There's no like, well, a Trump patriot or it's for the right cause or you were so upset. No, I mean, we're, we're always very clear about that. It's not like we're trying to say, oh, because they excused this times a million, we think we have the right to go and do it. We don't have the right or desire to want to do that. And we're all for that. But what they are doing now is saying that anyone involved when it's 99%, hundreds of thousands of people were just protesting something, a very terrible thing going on. The left does that all the time when they think a terrible injustice and they oppose legislation or want to vote to go a certain way. That is democracy in action. Everyone agrees with that. Anyone involved needs to be hunted down who attends any rally in the future of the terrible things that the Democrats are about to do to us, including Republicans, too, who are really Democrats, needs to be hunted down. You can't get a job. You're censored. And now in Minnesota, they're threatening criminal prosecution. This is a state where 50% of the jail of jail capacities have been let go of the worst criminals. It's impossible to get let up, you know, um, locked up. There's a 500% increase in carjackings. They burned 1,500 buildings in Minneapolis alone. And almost none of them were prosecuted. None of the people involved in the burning of the police station are going to see justice there. In anything... Am I, Daniel, are you saying so that's a license to just excuse those those you know few dozen people that really did engage in criminal actions and some of them really violent and obviously the most violent, the action that killed the cop shouldn't get punished? I think the guy should get punished more than we traditionally punish second degree murder in this country. But here's the problem. You see, I have no problem with saying I'm not violent. I ain't doing that. None of my supporters, you guys aren't going to be doing that. We could just keep going our lives, rigorously debating, voting, petitioning, making our case. Hey, anyone on our side who wants to be violent, lock them up. But here's the problem with that. This is not about justice that they're so concerned about security and they're so appalled by violence that, you know what, maybe they'll even be heavy-handed and go a step even too far and say, we're going to go on video and see anyone who is even in the vicinity and hunt them down, something that none of us advocated for with BLM. We were always just saying, we didn't say anyone who happens to be in the streets at the time with them, so anyone caught doing a criminal act, and that does include people blocking motorists in the streets. That's a criminal act in every state. We never advocated what they're doing. And for the airlines, and now DHS is working with them to put them on no-fly lists as terrorists to ban them as flying, to ban them from flying, for states to pick up the prosecution Anyone who advocated just the issue for which the rally occurred, from which the violence was born out, his entire career needs to be destroyed. 
They're Josh Hawley, Senator Hawley's book needs to be canceled. To simply say what we know out in the open, that they overrode state legislatures, changed election laws, and gutted election day, and had, rather than hundreds of thousands, tens of millions of mail-in ballots with no verification. That much is 100% crystal clear. No, I mean, that, that they brag about that. They love it. They did it. And all they did was say, look, we're going to object to certification. They didn't even have the majority anywhere near it. It wasn't going to overturn anything. And according to their logic, it, even if they did have the majority, they believe it wasn't binding and it wouldn't have done anything. So they're just, all they merely did is object, which is what the Democrats have done to the certification of every elected Republican. You have to go back to 1988, where a Republican was elected and they did not object. And we're just going to push an election commission to investigate and understand what we need to do to have voter integrity. That is now a terrorist view because violence was born out of that in their, in, in their mind. And, and mind you, this has nothing even to do with right or left. Remember, you're going to have Democrat primaries. We're all Nazis. We don't deserve to run for office. We're going to be stripped of it. I get it. But you're going to have Democrat primaries, right? Barack Obama in 2008 said this with Hillary in the primary. He was concerned about the concept of mail-ins and voter fraud. They're going to screw each other. It's not even a right-wing issue. I mean, this is basic for any Democratic Republic. You need to deal with the issue, even if everything else, every other allegation in the sworn affidavits are false. That much has to be dealt with. You're not allowed to even have that view. That is how much we abhor violence and we're going to clamp down. Now, what would you call such a view? And that's happening now. It's authoritarian. It's autocratic. It's like Singapore. It's pretty bad. I mean, that's more than law and order that I believe in. That's like, you know, you're caught anywhere within the vicinity of anyone doing anything violent. You know, like in, in, you know, I'm all for the death penalty for someone that like these beat these mobs that beat people to death and everything. I've been talking about that for years, but, you know, we're not going to say to give corporal punishment and beat people with canes if they chew gum and spit it on the street, you know, like they do in Singapore. But but that's Singapore. But I am here to tell you, folks, that what we are confronted with is not Singapore. It's not an authoritarian government. And this is why it's important to, to understand what has happened this year. Because if you would apply the standard that they're applying now, it would mean that millions of people could never get a job, could never get a voice on any platform, could never run for office. And at least hundreds of thousands would be in jail now. Anyone associated with BLM and Antifa were... Hundreds of people were killed, thousands brutally beaten, thousands of buildings burned to the ground, including government buildings. Billions of dollars of damage. It would take a PhD in math to figure out, quantify, and tally the damage committed by them. 
And yet, they are exalted. So now, where does that leave people like you and me? Is it that, oh, well, we should be fine. We're not engaging in violence. Um, Of course, throw the book at these guys, hang them, whoever did that, which we're all for, truth be told, and we always are, and we're always consistent about that. But we should be fine, and we should be able to rigorously debate what they're doing and push back against it and stand for our rights. Right? We're going to be able to do that, right? It's kind of autocratic, authoritarian, what's going on? No. That's the difference. We don't have an authoritarian government that is just really no tolerance for anything that anywhere comes close to anything that could even lead to violence. Ha ha ha. Yeah, yeah, right. No. This is a sadistic, demonic, and evil governing class. When you put the two together, that's not whataboutism, my friends. I am all fine with a, uh, with a standard of even if their guys riot a hundred times and our guys do it one time to punish them with the fullest extent of the law. I am all for that. But when you don't punish those hundred times that are a million times greater in scope and more ubiquitous in every city and you exalt it and codify it and require allegiance to it at a cultural level, at a corporate level, at a governmental level and to the point that you're not allowed to defend yourself against them. Remember, no civilian was randomly beaten on the streets but even though there was such a raucous very passionate crowd of hundreds of thousands of people if not a million every BLM rally beat motorists they would they would drag them from their cars that would that that didn't happen and that would never have happened at that DC rally okay so where does that leave us That is the realization that hit me like a ton of bricks. We are in grave, grave danger. And I don't even mean so much from BLM. I don't mean from the muggers and robbers and carjackers. And that will get worse and worse and worse, of course. With them being emboldened now. I mean from our own government. That that is what it shocks me when you when you have people like the harrowing stories of what was going on. Could you have you ever seen such violence? And our guys are like, Daniel, we should admit to it. It's true in a vacuum, right? Right. I understand that this happened a million other times and they didn't care. No, but but that begins to matter at some point that does begin to matter. Because that demonstrates where you're coming from and where you're headed with this narrative that they're trying to build off of what went down on Wednesday is coming and headed from and headed to a very dark place. Again, because if they applied it equally, so it would be like, okay, 
and, and, and very heavy handedly too. Maybe there it's overkill. It's overboard. It's borderline going to kind of infringe upon peaceful protests. But okay, I mean, they're they're big sticklers for anything that has a whiff of insurrection. And notice they're using that term. Folks, <laughs> there was never a moment where there was fear that the government would be sacked. Okay? They they all they to the extent they didn't have control, they, they it was because they let them in initially. Had they just gone out and just like secured the perimeter from day one, which is a mystery to this day, how that happened. And that in itself should kind of concern you, if you know what I mean. So once they were in already, so it was, a you know, it just, it, it and even then it took an hour, two hours at most, and they had it cleared, it secured. Nothing was ever going to fall. You contrast that to an, uh, the reason why we called for the Insurrection Act, which, by the way, was never to ban anyone from office, to ban anyone from speaking, from writing. And mind you, their tweets were directly calling for violence, something we never do. It was directly doing it, and that's fine. There has ne- God is my witness, you are my witness. There are few people as fiery in their beliefs, certainly on the right, as I am. I have never in my entire life called on anyone to be silenced. We warn, we debate, we mock and ridicule when need be, we expose, we warn people of the danger of these people, look at what they're saying, look at what they're doing, but we never say, and therefore they need to be shut down. If they commit a criminal act, they need to be arrested. But if they're going on Twitter, even if they're being like calling for violence, we want to defeat them. But we never say to silence them because we're not cowards. We believe in the veracity of our views. They're not fickle to the point that they can't stand scrutiny alongside an opposing view. The other side goes to censorship first. And and last. And that's the danger we're in. You had police stations overrun, burned down, literally. You had hundreds of cities at once. It was national in scope, which is why if that wasn't the definition of an insurrection, I don't know what was. We're talking about an hour or two, and none of them, there was no guns or knives. Again, Tragically, as I've, and I've said this before, doesn't mean you can't use blunt objects like evidently one did and kill someone and kill, kill a cop. But what, what I'm trying to say is Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Did you ever hear that? It's Capitol Hill, Seattle. Six weeks they were allowed. There was rape and murder taking place in there. Six weeks they had. Okay, this was an hour or two, and it was never in doubt that they would obtain control. And the only reason it even got to that is because of something. I mean, even Pelosi fired the sergeant in arms. So that's an admission that there was a breakdown on, on the security's part, which is very mysterious. How that was able to happen when they knew about this 
and this size of crowd forever. They let them in. So this didn't even need to happen. In fact, I'm very consistent in my view. My view has always been, I was like, are we a banana republic or not? How do you have days and weeks of this going on in the streets without the police and the National Guard able to secure it? How do you have police stations overrun? How is that able to get off the ground? We were all saying that. My view is the same thing here. This shouldn't have gotten off the ground. But it did. I got news for you folks. This was always going to happen. And I don't even mean inevitably some kook on the right is going to respond to all of the unanswered violence, which is true. I mean, they had this prepared. I don't mean they necessarily had this orchestration prepared. What I mean is this reaction. You are all terrorists. You're going to be put on a watch list. You can't hold those views, and if you do, you lose your job. You're deplatformed. And and by the way, folks, they're just warming up. They had that prepared. We always knew it was headed there. If it wasn't now, it would have been three weeks from now. It is impossible to have a movement and protest, which there's going to have to be. The left does it every day. I'm saying peaceful. They have horrible executive and legislative proposals. You're going to have, as we did in our nation's history, it's the bedrock of democracy. They're going to protest. It is impossible, sheer numbers, relative to their violence per capita, that they wouldn't have a video of one person, one place, one time, even if it wouldn't have been the capital, where they could point to it and say, aha, now we're going to bring out what we always wanted to do to you. It's not a matter of condemning. Again, give the guy the death penalty. The ones that broke the laws, prosecute them to the extent of the law. We're all for that. Go do it. But that's not what what this is about. They don't care about that, as you can tell. They, They really aren't about maintaining order. So what are they about? And that's what we're learning. It's not about the 0.001% fringe that could get violent and engage in criminal acts. It's about you and me. This is the point everyone is missing. Trump is actually the least important detail in this. They go and tell us a man is a woman All your books are now censored. They lock down our lives and muzzle our mouths and noses indefinitely and say, shut up. You can't say anything about it. Science. Our kids can't go to school. Shut down our businesses. Censor every word we say. Not not a whiff of violence. We'll put out scholarly articles on things. You can't say that. Shunned, deplatformed, demonetized. Election law is the way we say it's going to be. And these people think that our people are whipped up because Trump is the one 
who did it and somehow if Trump goes away, that's going to go away? Trump could die tomorrow and this won't matter. This won't make a difference. Trump could die tomorrow. Nothing will change. Because it's not about Trump. This was going on before him. We don't have a voice. And I left out the most important factor. And we don't have a voice. The Republican Party is a fake opposition. And they don't even really hide it anymore. You have a couple of good patriots because there's only two ballot lines that ran as Republicans and they're embedded in it. But, but that, that's the point. We have nowhere to turn. But, but, but as I said yesterday, it's not nowhere to turn for our grievances that we want Benny's benefits. We want privileges. We want more welfare. And we have nowhere to turn, so we're desperate. We don't want that. We just want passive to exist in locomotion without governmental restraint on our life. That is the definition of individual liberty since Blackstone. That's all we want. There's nothing novel. There's nothing extreme. There's this whole thing that there's growing polarization and extremism on both sides. But it's not true. Look honestly at our views. Since when were balanced budgets extreme? Since when was opening your business extreme? Since when was showing your face in public without covering your lungs extreme? Since when was supporting strong Borders and law enforcement, but what we mean by law and order is criminals of all sorts fully locked up, but life itself not being criminalized and BS crimes, bogus crimes. Since when was just saying, look, we've even come to terms with the homosexual agenda, but just don't shove it on us. Let us have our church. Let us pray freely. Let us associate with our neighbors and friends. They've criminalized that, literally with COVID. And now, they're going to criminalize the existence and expression of those views. We can't live that way. And they're just getting warmed up. He wasn't even sworn in yet. Wait and see what's coming. This This is the funny thing. It's not like... You know, when Republicans throw themselves, they're throwing themselves at their feet. Yes, Democrats, do whatever you want. Please, we're we're with you. Lock them up. Oh, Trump needs to die. Yes. Do you think the Democrats are going to reciprocate? Actually, the Democrats are going to do something smarter than you think. They're going to extend an olive branch. And they're already doing it. But they're going to extend an olive branch with the false flag republicans so they're going to they're going to claim to offer an olive branch to the other side but they're going to call the other side Adam King, Kinzinger, Mitt Romney and all these republicans they might even offer them cabinet positions except they are not the other side they're their side but it will be the perfect optics that they're going to be able to show That, look, we reached out to Republicans, right? That's a Republican. Except that's not these people. That's not who we are. This is not an equal proposition. 
This is not a both sides need to stop mo- moment. I love that with like the Israelis and the Palestinians. Both sides need to stop. Remember that all those years? And once in a while, you would have an Israeli civilian that got so fed up and acted out violently. It doesn't excuse it. It doesn't mean you don't prosecute the guy. But what it does mean is that fundamentally, they're not the issue. It's one side that's fundamentally the issue. As Netanyahu always said, if we dropped our guns, there would be no Israel. If the Arabs dropped their guns, there would be no violence. That's the difference. And it's the same thing here. We recognize a disagreement because we've had to live our whole lives swimming upstream against culture. And we recognize that there are other views. I believe with every fiber of my being that everything government is doing and has been doing, certainly, certainly in the blue states, is unconstitutional. I firmly believe in the moral and intellectual right to go back to the original interpretation of the Constitution and, and abide by that. And that is our right. That is, our, that, that, that is natural law. And I'm as fiery as anyone is about it. But nonetheless, we all recognize on our side that, look, we could debate how we got to this position, but at the end of the day over years, there is so much welfare and dependency. You have Social Security. You have Medicare. You have all this stuff. It really truthfully was unconstitutional when the federal government got involved in that. But we understand that there are millions of people dependent upon it. And we understand that we can't, if we were ever to take power, we weren't going to come in and crush all 50 states and go pedal to the metal and overnight get rid of every program since FDR. Even though we have the constitutional right to do that. We understand that as much as our founding values weren't founded upon the homosexual agenda, we're not going to get San Francisco to live like us. We're not going to erect churches on every block and make them attend them. We're not going to do that. And we never tried to. And we were never about that. We understand that. We've never sought to do anything other than that. The problem is they can't recognize this point on the other side. You could talk about Trump all you want. It's not about him. You could could say neo-Nazi all you want. But there are tens of millions of people, probably somewhere between 35 and 40% of the country, that are like this. And Trump didn't create that. I'll explain where Trump comes in in a minute. But the left created that. With the censorship. With the fascism. The corona fascism. We can't be left alone because they won't leave us alone. Live and let live. They won't live and let live. That's the problem. And again, they're just getting warmed up. What are we supposed to do? I don't care about politics. I don't care who wins. I have no problem going up to Biden and shaking his hand and say, congratulations, Mr. President, even though I think he totally stole it. And he's illegitimate. May God bless you. May God give you wisdom and govern properly. 
And may we all live in peace. I don't care. So you get to control government. I don't care about government. None of us cared about it. But that is why, because we didn't and the other side cared, they took it over over the years. So government turned beyond its constitutional mandate and they've made government in a way that we can't not care anymore. If they follow, see, under our vision of government, it's not a problem if, you, if you're on the losing end. I say this all the time. In the Democrat states and really the Republican states too, they became more leftist than ever under Trump. They did what they wanted. But when they're in charge, oh, they're going to send DOJ and the ATF after us. They will not live and let live. The reason why it's so important to talk about this inequality and asymmetric reaction with BLM versus this is to understand where it's coming from and where it's headed. Because that's the point. Anyone with a shred of non-sadistic views in them would take a look at what's going on and say, look, you can't rule over tens of, you could crush a tiny minority. You can't rule over tens of millions of people who believe in this, who under, who, who, who are wronged, who are deplatformed, who are locked down. And you would truly go up to them if you were, you were truly a statesman and you would try to negotiate and make a deal. Especially when our, we're such low maintenance people. Our demands are so little. Because what we're asking is negative, not positive. We're not asking for benefits and privileges. We want to just be left alone. That is what individual liberty means. But what the left has done is they made liberty is now a positive. You have a right to welfare, but you don't have a right to keep your business opened. They flipped negative unalienable rights on its head. Because in their mind, this is not, and, and again, this is not whataboutism. They believe that our violence is speech, but their speech, I'm sorry, they, they believe that your speech is violence, but their violence is speech. I want you to think about that for a moment and think about the consequences of that. Think about where the mindset from that comes from and where it's headed. You know, Larvita, the woman that is being threatened with jail time for opening her business in Lyon County, Minnesota, she's having trouble finding a lawyer. Representation. No one will represent people like that. We're not talking about representing people that, again, I mean, you know, the worst murderers get representation. So we're not even saying like if the guy who bashed the guy at Capitol Hill's head doesn't get a lawyer, which, you know, in our country, they always did. We're talking about sweet single moms like Larvita that just need to earn a living and they're not getting compensated for the shutdown. They can't find the lawyers. That's how much they've shut us down. I don't think some of us have fully eternalized 
the gravity, the ramifications of what the left and the phony right are doing to us. This is very scary. And mind you, by the way, just to mention Larvita, just to mention Larvita for a moment, she happens to be black. So, you know what's funny? They're all like, this is a bunch of neo-Nazis that they could just kind of crush. The sick irony is this group has become more diverse than ever before because it's not about race. It's about working class people that have been disenfranchised and that includes all people. It's the elites versus everyone else. So that's why it's it's everyone. It's, it, it, it's actually truly a beautiful thing of, of so many people getting along. It is true when I um, was involved in the Tea Party, and certainly if you look at the Ron Paul movement and then before that, Pat Buchanan and Ross Perot, like I remember going with my father to a United We Stand meeting in, uh, in 1992 as a kid. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't a single person who wasn't white. It was almost all male. Now, I mean, at that rally, I mean, it was obviously overwhelming majority white, but plenty, plenty of people from all sorts of backgrounds. See, they could lie to themselves, but the truth is going to come back to bite them. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. But I, I first want to remind you guys, if we want to meet up together, especially when social media bans us all, a great way for all of us to get together until we find a platform is February 7th at Front Sight Nevada with constitutional constitutioncoach.com. Constitutioncoach.com, our sponsor this month. Rick Green at Patriot Academy, constitutioncoach.com. They're having defense training, concealed carry training, where you learn how to properly carry, draw and shoot, defend yourself both tactically and legally in a gunfight if you get confronted and you feel your life is in danger. They get together, they have classes, many hours out on the range. There's three-day, five-day events. Go to constitutioncoach.com, see all the details, let me know if you have questions about what you need to bring and whatever. But I will be there February 7th. We're going to strategize together. We'll shoot together. We'll have a good time assuming they don't shut us down by then. This is a time of utmost importance to just know each other. And really, you know, in individual neighborhoods, we need to get together and just have a group of 20 people like, hey, you know, if, if they ever come knocking on my door, I could text you and within five minutes, you know, 20 of you will be there. So at least this doesn't go in the middle of the night. I'm not trying to get screwy on you. I, I am I am just floored digesting what is going on. And the rhetoric they're using is very, very precise. And it's for a reason. And this has all been building up because if you think about it, what do you think COVID was? You are a threat to other people. And if we could deem that you are a threat to other people, even if you don't have the virus, you have to wear a mask. You have to do this and that. 
You can't have a business open. You can't go to school. You have to be shut down. And if you don't, if you don't, boy, um, nice knowing those constitutional rights in the Bill of Rights. That has been established already for a year. And they barely had a fight over it. I mean, they got that for free. I want you to think about what that means. You are a threat to yourself and to those around you. Again, think about those Nurse Ratchet movies. And they're all going to do it with a very stern, serious look. It's going to be the guys and the silver hair. Most of them actually white. White people with suits. The Department of Justice. It's not going to be an Ilan Omer doing that. Just know that. They're very good at that. It's going to be the Merrick Garlands of the world. Very moderate. Very amicable people. I want to tell you, and it's funny, I mean, we've been doing philosophy all week. I have so many individual news items I wanted to get to, but this is more important. I wanted to give you a certain, uh, implant a certain thought in your mind. Um, <clears throat> we, we've, we've always been troubled, the vexing question of, you know, growing up, and certainly I'm obviously Jewish, so it's, it's a little bit more real. You know, how did Nazi Germany come about? You're talking about the most enlightened country in the middle of the 20th century. This is not the Dark Ages. Those Jews were living there in the Rhine River Valley since you know, 1,500 years before. How did that kind of just suddenly happen where so many people turned on them and then a significant number of others became indifferent and allowed it to happen? So there's a couple of things to note. This is not my main point, but just for starters, they didn't dress up like, you know, like the ISIS guys, like, you know, they kind of look like they're, literally beasts and Neanderthals and they have like AK 47s and they're dancing around in a circle, like chanting as someone is being burned alive in a cage. That's not how they looked. They looked like very smart, serious, cultured people, elites. They were like, you know, we're very concerned about democracy and the threat to our countrymen. They, they brought up health threats. The Jews were a health threat. They're very into public health I mean, I, I could write a book on the public health in Nazi Germany. Very big into that. You are a threat. And they worked on people. And they wore people down. And you do a dehumanization campaign long enough, it works. Now, we always say that happened really, really quickly. Really quickly. I got news for you. Not only do I understand how that can happen again, I'm here to tell you it will happen much quicker. That was a long time. They didn't have social media. You have to what social media is, it's almost like in the 1950s the, the like shock therapy where you could have if you have a, if you, if you would try to conjure up a measurement, joules, newtons, Watts of media saturation. Nowadays, within one day, we have a year's worth of media saturation. 
within a month, we could have a decade's worth of media saturation going into your brain. So the ability to get people to believe in absurdities and therefore get them to commit atrocities, that time frame is truncated beyond belief. That is what should scare people. So you mix the fact that you message it as these people are a threat to your life. I mean, you can't deny a couple people were legitimately violent, right? I mean, we've never seen violence in this country, right? And we saw, we've seen, there were, I mean, and it is true, there were people that clearly were very violent on that Wednesday. They are a threat to you. I mean, we, we had, all these reporters are putting out, I was hiding under my desk. I mean, this was worse than 9-11. I'd never seen anything like it. We have never seen such violence in our entire life. You do that enough. And it's incessant and you can't escape it. It's on every iPhone alert. It's everywhere you go. Your brain never escapes it. I, I always wondered, and th- th- this has been a real question I, I just, I haven't been able to get over. How are so many of my fellow, I mean, people I used to work with as conservative leaders believe in stuff that's more leftist now and are on board with it than what Democrats were even pushing five years ago? I was like, they make me like, I'm the right wing crazy, but I'm like, George H.W. Bush, when he was in charge in the 90s, believed in tough on crime. He put down the L.A. riots very quick. Like, like I don't know. Like, why am I the radical? And what I've come to learn is it's social media. See, the difference between most of you in the audience who have normal jobs, and I know this from my family, they're not constantly trying to have an audience in front of social media and couching their way of thinking based on the group think and trying to make the media like them. And it develops a culture. First, they do it out of fear, but then they start believing it. Think in the old days, there used to be something comes up, you look at it and you think logically like, you know, people are born with natural logical instincts. You're not going to jump and fire and no one's going to convince you readily to, to do so. Right. And it used to be it was very long and arduous to get people to change their minds because typically people have, you know, it's hard to even remember life before this. But you have you're between yourself and your brain and your God and you know what you believe and it's going to take a lot of work to get you to change. But with the advent of social media, but particularly the people that are obsessively on it and do that for a living, which is why the conservative professionals are more liberal than your average run-of-the-mill, middle-of-the-road voter because they just still kind of think logically. They, they certainly are exposed to social media, but not maybe as obsessively as these people. And that's why we've lost the entire professional conservative class. They, they, they've, they've gone on to support stuff that... Obama thought was leftist. That's how quickly it has changed. And we don't even realize it. And then, with that understanding in mind of the difference between now and before social media and the grave danger we're in, 
I want to bring you to the COVID fascism. I don't think too many of us have even fully digested the mask stuff. If you would have told me a year ago that within a couple of weeks, they would have been able to get people to universally believe that you can never walk outside without a mask and you could demonize and dehumanize anyone who does it and everyone would comply with that and do it and obsess and put it on their two-year-old kids with not a thought of danger. No, the danger is not doing it to them. I could never have believed that. How could you get people to believe it? And indeed, I firmly believe that prior to this decade, it couldn't have been done and it wouldn't have been done. But what they are able to do is remember 10 years worth of propaganda. If you concentrate that concoction in a potency that is a week long, a few weeks long, what does that do to the human psyche? Okay? So you could utterly, you could get people to believe in something that absurd. I, I am not exaggerating one iota, and I think you agree with me, and I believe this with all my heart, that were government to say tomorrow, and they'd get all their media and the businesses and the cultural institutions and the marketing and everyone to work seamlessly together to say, let me, let me just indulge one point in a minute, and it's not that far off. Because of the growing threat of right-wing terrorists and traitors and seditionists, we don't know who could be carrying a gun or a knife. So in all of our schools, every kid is going to walk buck naked, buck naked, because that's the only way to tell if you're carrying. But, you're, but, but by the way, you're going to be buck naked, but with a mask, a mask and buck naked. And then... They don't just talk about it. They have their leaders start doing it and walking around that like that, and they, they do it. And then it becomes you are the oddball out if you're not doing it. Come on, Daniel. It can never be. Think very carefully. And then you get suspended from school. If you're not doing it, you get expelled. You can't come to school anyway. If you think that can't happen... Maybe it could take a few weeks longer than the mask thing did to take root. Maybe a few months. And now take that to the next level. What happens when all of you are a threat to me? And they have control over every company. I mean, every business that has more than three employees is putting out a statement. Never would put out anything on anything BLM Antifa did. Every anyone, any, anyone who's anything. What do you think happens over time? Think about that for a minute. And when that seeps in, let me end this line of thought. I have one other thing to say. We've had super long shows this week, but I have just too much to say. I want to give you a story. There's one of our Facebook fans, one of our longtime listeners, 
had a sister. I think I even read this story before. A sister who was kidnapped by a co-worker that she didn't really know, but evidently this guy had this demonic obsession with her, psychotic obsession. Kidnapped her, tried to rape her. Somehow she got away. Cops caught the guy, threw him in jail. Of course, as has been the case, he was jailbreaked. Probably pending the trial 50 million years away, he was let out. He was let out. Because as you well know, that's not violence. That's speech. Especially if you do it to a right-winger, and this woman is a right-winger. Um, that's not really a threat to democracy, right? That, that, that's not a threat. Those are good people. Well-intentioned people. You know, why isn't he entitled to a woman? I mean, you know, it's, it's not fair. I, again, I don't mean to be crude here, but I mean, that is literally the demonic thought of the criminal justice deformed people. I'm not done yet. I'm not done by a mile. And, and, and again, I'm just going to truncate it because this is not even my point. I'm not even getting to the story yet. This is the pre-story. The guy is let out. He, what does he do? As always, he goes straight to her. He, um, he abducts her. And again, I'm, I'm forgetting all the details, but basically at, with a, with, with, puts, puts a butcher knife at her throat and clamps his hand on her mouth. And, you know, it says, if you scream, I'm going to slit your throat. Um, I'm going to, I think he said, I'm going to give you a new smile or something, something to that effect. And dra- dra- dragged her off into a car. Um, and then proceeded to just hold her in the woods, got out of a car, put her, you know, walked around the woods, super glued a leash to her, had her gagged the entire and bound the entire time. I'm forgetting what he ultimately did to her, but I think he undressed her and he threatened to sexually mutilate her. Um, and he had a knife and whatever again, I'm not, you know, long story short, she, you know, the guy was eventually arrested. He eventually got prison time. I'm forgetting what it was, but the guy to my understanding is pretty close to getting out and it hasn't been that long. And again, I, I, I didn't mean to talk about this. So I, I forgot to look it up, um, the case and how long was it? 10 years? I don't know. 15 years. I'm not, I'm not sure. And and I apologize to to um and and I know you're listening and I apologize to you for not getting the details right but but I I want our audience to get the point. So there's a lot of lessons in that in itself, and I, that's not even the story. Fast forward to a couple of weeks ago. This woman is brave enough that she goes to stores. She refuses to wear a mask. Now I want you to understand. And again, I'm I'm sorry for being so long-winded. I'm going to give another introduction, uh, prologue to the story with before I even say the story. We have become so desensitized and animalized, animalistic with this whole COVID thing. Even if you believed in the mask thing and believed it's constitutional and that it's prudential and somehow it's even scientific, scientific. Everything we do in life, we have OSHA standards and we have. ADA standards, and we take into account people with disabilities. It's, I mean, it's practically a religion. I think a lot of us would agree in many spheres of economy, law, 
and life, we've, we've even gone overboard in some ways. But it is what it is. Again, talk about the asymmetry, two-tier justice system. That has gone out the window. There are no exceptions. There's a growing problem I never thought about, but I've heard from a lot of people, and there are articles written on this. There, there sadly are a lot of rape victims in this country, and, and one of the things that typically happens is they restrain them in some sort of way and cover their mouths and things like that. And, you know, certainly someone like this woman, she suffers PTSD uh, for the rest of her life. And the worst thing you could ever do to trigger that is to cover your mouth and, and nose with it, too. Anyone who has a shred of humanity would understand this. Our government doesn't because it's not authoritarian. It's sadistic, demonic, and evil. But back to the story to tie everything we've said together. So this this uh, this woman was walking in a store, at a store. I don't even, might have even been outside. And this woman walks over to her and she has like an F God t-shirt or something on and says, nice mask you have on, you know, because she didn't have a mask. So this woman who was the rape victim, she she went directly up to her and confronted because I think her PTSD, rather it's it's fight or flight. And rather than flight, she's fight. She'll confront. She went up to her and she, and she actually said like, you know, I'm a rape victim and I was gagged and everything. And, and like, imagine, imagine someone telling you that. Imagine like, you know, you kind of criticize someone passively, aggressively. And someone tells you like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She looked her in the eyes with a sadistic look and said, F you. And what I want to say is, you know, this is not an isolated view. There are millions of people that have been stoked up from the COVID fascism that believe in this. And what I'm trying to tell you, if you get the drift, there are numerous people in this country, not an insignificant number, who believe that someone caught without a mask in public forfeits their life and deserves to die and get killed. Okay? We don't believe that about the other side. We're just, could you let us live in a place free? We don't need you to die and get killed or have violence against you. I hope you live happily with your mask. Let let me live happily without mine. Your mask works so great anyway, right? So, you know, you're wearing it. What do you care? Let me be the stupid one and die, according to your logic, and you'll live. I'll get the virus. You won't, of course. Of course, nobody with a mask has ever gotten the virus. Yes, yes, yes. But what social media and the culture, and and I mean all of it, all of it, Simon & Schuster canceling Josh Hawley's book, all of them promoting this, they have enabled within a period of just a few months people who are willing to commit atrocities after believing in an absurdity. Where does that leave us now 
that they are taking the COVID fascism to political fascism, criminalizing, you know, opening a business, walking out without a mask. But we were able to criticize it. It didn't work, but we were able to have First Amendment. I mean, not really because, you know, the tech which is in with government censors us, but we didn't have criminal prosecution from it. Frankly, we're at the point I don't even know if they'll go through the prosecution. I know this is very dark, but this is the reality. We have to know what is confronting us. Well, folks, I'm about out of time, out of steam, out of voice. Spent an hour talking about the doom and gloom and I didn't get to the light. But the light ties into the darkness. It's really true with everything in life. In life, there's an equal and opposing force. Action, reaction. And the good news about what social media has done, what Trump has done, is the same way there are tens of millions of people in this country that believe in utterly insane things. There are tens of millions of people in the country who believe in what you and I do. Think about it. 75 million people voted for Trump, which really, when you take out the voter fraud, would be the most in history and more than Biden, of course. Despite everything, all those lies, all that media, you couldn't find anything positive. You couldn't, I mean, why would any human being ever want to vote for the guy if that's all you see? So that means people get it. And the irony is Trump himself obviously had a lot of flaws, was often very, very ideologically inconsistent to his own alleged cause and his own base. And, you know, I still have a lot of problems with that. And there's a lot of questions over what to do with him. But to his enduring credit, there's one thing he did for us. And boy, oh boy, could I, I, I could do a whole show just on this. I resented Trump when he came on the scene. And there was a group of us, it was, a, it was a very narrow camp. There were a lot of people that, you know, conservatives embraced Trump. And then there were all these like hated Trump, but really for like leftist reasons, like these phony conservatives. I was bothered by the fact that, again, this insurgency predated Trump. You know, it dates back to Perot in many respects. And it's been there for a while. <clears throat> And I was trying to build opposition I would recruit in primaries to throw out these bums. And I was like, darn, we were like, you know, I thought we were getting traction. And then he hijacks it. And, you know, you have Jared and Ivanka and he's not going to really do what he says. And, and a lot of that was true in the end. And most of it was really true. I wasn't wrong. But here is where I was wrong and where I think he did a bigger favor for someone like me than I could have done on my own. If you remember, we could never win those primaries. And, and Trump indeed was recruited, often recruited candidates against this. But the point is, we're like, we knew a majority, certainly within the Republican Party, registered Republicans agreed with us, much less all those that were registered independent or didn't even vote because they're so disenchanted. But how come we can never win a primary? And it was frustrating. We didn't have that critical we, – we had the raw materials. We didn't have that galvanizer to kind of put it together. In the 90s, 
they were relegated to dissident status. They were relegated to those are a bunch of white supremacists, militiamen, yada, yada, yada. And you're able to crush it like a bug. And indeed, there were some very dark periods then. There's a lot of analogies, but we're 100 million times worse with social media. Ruby Ridge, Waco. By the way, remember who was Attorney General during Ruby Ridge? William Barr, just so you don't forget, just so you know. But I was called a purist for warning people that he was a fraud. They're all frauds. But anyway, if you look at that period, what was it? Maybe 5% of registered Republicans understood the stakes really were ahead of their time and understood that our government was irremediably corrupt and the Republican Party was irremediably corrupt. There's a poll published in The Hill last night. 75% of Republican voters blame Biden for the violence at Capitol Hill. And the media is like promoting that. Look at how crazy these people are. And I, I was laughing. I was like, mission accomplished. And that at its core is why they hate Trump so much. And it was by accident. Trump ironically didn't become and do what his base hoped and projected on him and most still project on him to this day. But it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. The sleeping giant was awoken. And by Trump... That's why that's why Trump was so dangerous to them. No one could galvanize. It was always there. And he got it now. And he exposed everything. Like, it, it was frustrating. Nobody would realize that these guys are frauds. They would just vote for these Republicans and whatever. And now, a, a super majority of registered Republicans know that the Republicans are frauds, that the Democrats are evil, that our government is irremediably broken. And you now have tens of millions. You can't say, oh, there's a couple of KKK groups or something. You have blacks, Hispanics, Asians, Jewish people, even Muslims. It, it Just people that like, dude, this elite doesn't work for us. Tens of millions of people. Be three quarters of a hundred million. It's going to get dark, folks. But it's going to be very hard for them to successfully, indefinitely, Waco and Ruby Ridge tens of millions of people. But we have to stick together. And that's that's the key. The, key, the challenge for us into next week and next month is how to channel this energy, this awakening, where to channel it. There aren't easy answers, but it, no matter what, it has to be at a micro-local level and build up from there. And again, the same way we recognize that we cannot really rule over the areas that are concentrated with the tens of millions of people that are bought into the alt-left agenda, we recognize that. that, that it's, it's not like we could ever govern California 
our challenge is to build that map of areas where they realize by hook or by crook, they ain't governing that either. And the truth be told, that is going to be the way we achieve peace without a war. And that's really what we should all pray and strive for. But none of this is going to be without God's divine intervention. We've got to pray to God. This has been a seminal week in our lives. And we're going to need his divine providence for whatever we do, plan. May God keep us safe and protected from evil, and that includes all evil. Let's go and rest over the weekend, be with our families. Come back same time, same place Monday. Folks, starting Monday, it's our turn to fight back. <laughs>